0: Part of Italy from uh, a family uh, that is half Italian, half Swiss. My dad is Italian. My mother is uh, from Switzerland. Hence, I I'm a dual citizen. So I hold uh, Italian and Swiss uh, cith- citizenship. I did my first studies, obviously, of music in uh, in Italy. Started piano playing when I was uh, relatively young, seven, eight. And uh, I uh, undertook more uh, committed uh, musical studies when I was ten, eleven. Eventually, I went to the Conservatory of Milano to study composition, electronic music, and uh, conducting and choir, choir conducting. This uh, eventually led a further, let's say, step of my music. And academic path, which was uh, Paris. After my studies in, in in Milano, I I went to Paris to do this uh, year long uh, sort of master in uh, composition electronic music, which I believe it's now two years long program.
1: Where was this? Was this was this Earcam? At EarCam, yeah. Okay, got so many EarCam people I talked to.
0: Yeah, well, the the point is that also before you mention, you say, oh, you're a Columbia guy. I mean, uh, sometimes institutions are it's a little bit like traveling through countries you know you want to you want to visit them you want to see what they do what they have to offer what's their take on life and on all sorts of aspects so that's how I see a little bit uh, academia especially uh, when you have the chance to change countries which obviously comes along with an important cultural change so uh when you go to let's say when you have the chance to do studies at IRCAM doesn't necessarily make you uh more aligned to a certain uh vision of of music or making music but it gives you certainly a much broader uh, or at least broader experience on a certain aspect of music than the one that you had before so for me uh going to whether it was Paris or New York, were always opportunities and chances for me to explore, to have a, a wider overview of important uh, players in the, in, the, in the music, in the contemporary music uh, world. This being said, which is a very generical thing, I believe that my first experience outside Italy, which was my, I'd say, starting point in terms of uh, cultural and uh, musical experience what do you mean
1: what were, were your like what were your like composers before before you left italy what were your composers or influences what i mean what does that mean in a more concrete sense
0: it's an interesting question because i don't believe uh so much has changed concerning my inner sensibility towards uh, sound hence uh, the composer of reference somehow i can name a few that uh, were my uh, reference composer back then and they still are i obviously had a great uh, admiration and uh, esteem for composers such as uh, uh, gerard Griset already from uh, when i was living in milano of xenakis uh, not to mention the you know some of the a prominent Italian figure, which were back then uh, Luciano Berio and uh, Luigi Nono, and, uh, you know, the, the contemporary composers such as uh, Salvatore Charino, with whom I had a briefly uh, opportunity to study with.
1: The... Oh, you did? Not so many people, actually, that I've talked to have been able to do that.
0: Yeah, because he stopped in 2000, uh, I think, his uh, summer uh, master classes, so I believe after that he did not teach anymore but i'm not really updating on
1: on that how how was he just out of curiosity because part of his music is like almost like he's uh almost like a mystical figure so what is he actually like when you show him your music and he has to have an opinion on it
0: well uh first i believe that i'm not really sure that uh somebody that uh, it's supposed to give you advice necessarily needs to have a very formed opinion but i think what he did well i have a, a good uh, memory of of uh, this uh, time we spent uh, along with other uh, young uh, composer back then with him he's a definitely uh, a personality with a very uh, clear vision and uh, the fine vision of sound and form is not Necessarily easy to extrapolate useful information for, let's say, a young composer in case the aesthetic doesn't completely fit in the one of the master. But at the same time, uh, I believe he's a very uh, extremely experienced musician, composer, intellectually very well equipped. So it was a very good time, actually. Challenging. Uh, in the sense that uh, Italian style, and when I say Italian style, I mean that uh, I clearly now have a, an overview on the cultural exchange between uh, different, let's say, different personality from different countries that uh, clearly make me see the Italians, and sometimes myself too, as extremely straightforward when it's about certain topics. So I remember, for instance, I can mention you in Milano, just to, to expand a little bit the conversation when I was studying at the conservatory, I think I, th- there was a daily fierce and intense conversation on the border of uh, fight. It was uh, kind of uh, normal to have in composition class, just uh, disputing and discussing very, how can I put it, very in an animated way over certain topics, a certain... Ideals and vision about contemporary music. I think I went through a different spectrum of how you should, how people can explore their own vision on those topics and was very intrigued that for instance a a different academia like uh, in the states there is a certain politeness or certain formality somehow that wouldn't give you the opportunity to be so straightforward as you know i had the chance to experience in italy what do you
1: mean by straightforward by like you're wrong Exactly. Something like this. This is very bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. this is very bad. Music cannot go in this direction. Exactly. And then you're saying like when you when you were at Columbia, it wasn't like that. It was more of there was more of an acceptance or
0: Well, uh obviously there are two factors that 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 can explain such a interrelationship difference or communication difference or social difference is that obviously Columbia is it's it's an important academia and also it's another debate. Being a department that is also that also embraces musicologists and uh, ethnomusicologists, the approach is much of an observer, of a researcher than the one of
1: uh, the artist. Exactly. L- it's it's, like it's lambasting his ideology onto other people. Which one do you think was more helpful? Yeah.
0: Well, I think it, they were both extremely helpful because in Italy and uh, partly in France. Uh, The conversation was really about, and I can make also a little parenthesis, I believe also in Germany, it's it's a little bit like this, was really about uh, what really means and what it's supposed to be uh, the path or the way to go as an artist. I'm generalizing. eh?
1: Yeah, but it's also because I've experienced that too, not at these institutions, but talking to people that come out of these institutions and kind of grew up in there, not people like you who actually had the chance to go to other places and get other, you know, and get other points of view. And it always seems like that the risk is that they get caught up in that, Of course, that, that they get caught up in that. And for them, that is the world. And then when they move on to other places, they just either refuse to understand or don't understand or the importance borrow. of yeah. trying to understand where other people are coming from. Uh, I have to
0: say that I was never uh, really able to fully embrace uh, any specific academic or uh, music uh, musical environment but for exactly the reason you just uh, mentioned uh, that obviously it's uh, one uh, part of of a bigger picture of a bigger uh, map of music ideas ideals and uh, and values so i always sensed and smelled a little bit of ignorance uh, within a certain uh, extremely ideologically charged uh, statement or behavior. Well, what you're talking about, it's uh, it's really a matter of identity. A lot of people, for the passion they have uh, for the topic, for the necessity of uh, understandably being accepted by a community, they embrace the same uh, community's values and ideals. So sometimes they are not left to any other choices than just to, just be part of it and becoming the best uh, lawyer o- o- of it or, or politician of it.
1: And I think that's also kind of a basic type of human nature in some people, that when you're around that environment, you just feel the need to adapt to it. What in But well, what about you made you not be able to fully embrace that?
0: Because I knew that in a non-Western way, a certain aspect about the knowledge and about the, especially the creativity cannot seriously be found outside. So you cannot find authenticity, which I believe is one of the most important uh, requirements for a composer, one of the most important quality for a composer to be able to deliver something indeed really interesting. Uh, these are not... Completely compatible with uh, with embracing um, ideals that uh, are not fully or completely formed or generated by you. I'm completely aware that music it's it's a universal process of legacy that uh, there are a lot of elements that uh, keep being borrowed and developed and passed on, and that's also the beauty of it. But at the same time, on a on a deeper level, the real Musical proposal that comes out from the composer has to be a process of interior work.
1: So, what do you look for? Or, I mean, okay, 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 let me put it this way What has your interior work been then? And has that changed as you moved around?
0: Well, it has changed obviously because uh, the, now we can finally talk about a nice part about you know studying and academia and uh, different uh, ideals and values in music. Is that each one of these uh, highly defined uh, musical uh, words or academia or uh, research centers? They've uh, been invested uh, since. Decades, if not hundreds of years, into searching certain aspects of sound, certain aspects of music, certain aspects of the aesthetic of music. So definitely going through this, uh, we'll call it steps or um, path. It's important to be knowledgeable about those, to know what you can eventually embrace partially, fully or share. To narrow down to a few little examples, a little bit more concrete, I cannot uh, be the composer I am without my very old-fashioned education that I had in Italy or without the study that I had the chance to do at IRCAM or the intellectual reflection that I was able to do when I was in New York at Columbia University. I think all these aspects, somehow they nourish themselves with the difference that with the time you understand that it's okay to have a sense of perspective on things. Obviously, when you start, you have a very strong reference in front of you as a lot of composer. And uh, between uh, the typical thirst of a young composer that wants to really be in touch, not only with a Aesthetic, but also with the music itself, I see them this uh, extreme longing that a lot of people uh, and I will include myself have when when they start composing they they want to be in touch with uh, not only with what is been happening today, but uh, as a consequence of that is what has been happening always in the history of uh, uh, let's say written music so connecting to Salvatore Charino or wanting or longing to connect with a, such a personality somehow can be translated to wanting to connect with, uh, with Mahler wanting to connect with, uh, with Wagner wanting to connect with uh, Sebastian Bach or wanting to connect with uh, Marenzio
1: How's it been for you being a composer or having to deal with large institutions and at the same time not being someone who is completely aligned with a, quote, mission statement from any particular one of these institutions?
0: I can say that has been uh, pretty pretty good in the sense that, uh, obviously, you don't get uh, into th- the favors of, of you, you don't become the, the, the uh, mascot or deer of, uh, of uh, one institution instead of other, but instead you work the way you are supposed to. I don't think there is anything bad about it. On the contrary, if that's the price to pay for uh, really delivering something that is uh, closer and closer to an authentic proposal, this is uh, for me, in my specific case is the only path to undertake and in concrete in concrete terms, I never had any particular problem, obviously, on the short terms. Uh, especially when you are a young composer you understand that you know certain institution might not understand you but on the other way is that a certain musician which you have a good esteem they understand you more because they understand what's behind you and behind you know what 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 you're doing so at the end I haven't suffered that so much. I mean, uh, obviously, if you are a little bit weak and in need of fatherly approval, well, you know, that might be not uh, the best, uh, you know, path, uh, way to go. But I, I think composers shouldn't really follow into that uh, little trap.
1: When did you realize that it was the synthesis route for you?
0: I think early 20s, but synthesis is not. It's not probably the, the appropriate um, uh, term. When did you
1: know... When, okay, let me put yeah. it this way. When did you know that it wasn't just going to be one view from a particular institution that was going to satisfy your aesthetic needs?
0: For me, it's rather simple. We are uh, subject to uh, such an amount of great expression of creativity... That belongs to uh, all the corners of this planet, and to all corners of history of music. That uh, being uh, locked in in a very little partial part of it, it's just stupid. It's just completely pointless. Uh, why I should renounce to my uh, most intimate admiration of the last movement of the Schubert symphony without knowing the unfinished one, uh, with knowing, obviously, I'm not going to write something like this, but I should be given the space of embracing all aspects of what, in my case, I consider extremely transcendental beauty from any outlets of music without having an immediate moral judgment uh, on it, which will obviously manipulate my thinking, my creativity. So what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is that school, it's important to have a sense of structure, to have a sense of discipline, to have a sense of craftsmanship, and then has to be abandoned. It's a little bit like knowledge. Knowledge in the sense of accumulation, It's completely useless. Everyone has to have his own access to the knowledge and understand which part of it it has empathy with you. And that's why we are completely different. But we have to stretch this part that makes you different than me, that you liking exactly this measure of that symphony for some known and unknown reason. It's not the point. The point is that you have to focus on that thing. And it's not me telling you, oh, look, but this, you know, it's a little bit, uh, why do you like it? You know, this is not exactly interesting for our purposes of this or that. You understand?
1: Yeah, that's like the argument had in a bar after a concert. (laughs) Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, that's the best part. Um, How old are you? 36. Okay, so do you feel like you're less open to things now because you're settled a little bit? Do you think something could still happen to you? like an outside influence, since you're open to that, that can completely make a paradigm shift in the way you approach things. Speaking personally, I feel like because I'm, you know, I'm 30 now. So I think back to when I was 23, 24. And I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm a little bit more like concrete in what a I'll say is good and bad. And what i'll accept and not accept, do you think you're still open open to that? This is exactly what i'm fighting against it is a fight though isn't you're like well, it you're is like, a oh, fight shit, because I'm becoming an old man well no <laughs> yeah. but, uh,
0: but the point is that the the comfort the place of comfort, not that you have be on you know in a constant fight you know i mean we we, we want to avoid neurosis, per se, but the reason why I wanted to avoid in first place, uh, an affiliation to a certain movement instead of a certain aesthetic. It was because I knew what kind of tricks, what kind of, uh, traps would have been uh, there for me and for my freedom.
1: Yeah, that cynical attitude is very healthy. Yeah. I mean, I
0: mean but cynical, but constructive. You know, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, I yeah. don't mean
1: like cynical, like screw that, that stinks, but like, that's interesting, but there's, that's not it. Exactly. You know? That's, yeah.
0: that's not it. At the beginning of your question, see, do you feel, I don't know, less open because of my path or, you know, where I stand in my career? It's exactly the opposite. My process, it's a process of liberation. It's a process of realization. So for the less free that I was as a manipulated uh, student, as you know, I'm exaggerating yeah, for the sake of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, for the sake of, uh, you know, I think having... people will be able to filter that
1: and know <laughs> that it's just like by that you mean some stodgy professor who goes, don't use major thirds or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Uh, the process here is exactly that. So I go from a place where a lot of strong forces and morals and ideas and value are fundamentally bombarded to you, and you, you know, you're there trying to get some, you know, avoid uh, some else, to a process where you try to find more and more authenticity. Hence, now I'm more free than ever before. Uh, let's say my openness, my, my, my posture towards any outside reference It's even stronger than than before. Now I have no single internal conflict when I listen to the master, which is a French uh, techno DJ, uh, to uh, South African
1: uh, musicians. Yeah, You have no internal posture as opposed to what you'll accept and like and also what you'll be able to make an argument for about what you think is good. But there's also the idea of... You have a career now listening to this cantata. It's something that seemed to have is getting a lot of it's, I mean, extremely well produced, good recording that you gave me that seems to be done on a pretty big scale. So now that you are in a place where you have a reputation and a unique style, Mm -hmm. isn't there kind of the pressure to stay consistent?
0: That's a very good question. And I wanted to quote you a phrase of uh, Marcel Duchamp, which said, I have forced myself to contradict myself in order to avoid conforming to my own tastes. And it's somehow something that I fully embrace. And again, since we are talking about the expectation of uh, the system, our beautiful music system that is made by institution and festival that give us a lot of opportunities to to create, to share the the fruits of our intellectual and, uh, you know, somehow physical labor. They also have this kind of understandable expectation. I mean, uh, let's stop talking about me, but let's talk about, for instance, Ligeti. When Ligeti stopped, Late 60s, sorry, uh, yeah, late 60s, beginning of 70s, let's call it production. A series of oeuvres made by Cloud Technique and Textual, and then it shifted completely to a con- uh, different uh, language. People were shocked. And I remember, well, I wasn't around, but I still remember the, the very heated conversation. I liked uh, Ligeti when, you know, wrote Atmosphere and Lontano. I mean, why he didn't write more of that music? You know, piano concerto, really, no, not good. You know? But, you know, but that's exactly the point. I mean, Ligeti was no stupid. Ligeti said, why I should repeat myself? What's the point of it? What's the point of me as a composer try to water down something that I already stated for the sake of what? To, I don't know, to make a school of cloud technique or a textual system.
1: I think that's what a lot of people go for though. They think of, they're like, I'm going to stick to this and then hopefully build a school of thought around my ideas and create my own legacy or continue a legacy or be, you know, that he's definitely someone who avoided that so is that basically the template for you? I mean, I'm not saying that you you're actually predicting that at age 67 you're going to you're <laughs> gonna you're gonna make this change, but you're prepared or ready for something to uh, happen to you, for you to hear some type of other influence and say, okay, I need to go instead of write orchestral music from now on. I'm just gonna bang on a snare drum and scream.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm uh, certainly not excluding it because. Uh... This is an extreme.
1: I just gave teaching. a very extreme example. No, 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 too. but yeah, it, yeah. it
0: it is right. I, I believe that I really trust the composer as not only a model of uh, musical proposal, but as an expression of choice. The composer is not only somebody that is delivering music proposal, but is also showing you certain fundamental value about being an honest creator, an honest artist and sometimes I might see this honesty as an expression of authenticity so somebody that has the guts and the courage to just make an important shift which obviously you know in the case of Ligeti was kind of radical but still it made him produce other uh, wonderful uh,
1: pieces of music and it wasn't so much of a it was audibly a radical shift but yeah, if you look at audibly. what's tech yeah, but if you look at what's technically going on in that music, it actually makes a lot of sense craft wise. You know, it's the same kind of rhythmic overlaying that's happening, but maybe on a a, a more pulse like scale. Sometimes I feel like that idea of changing gears so fast, or that idea of kind of changing aesthetics based on the influence goes against the idea of refining your craft and further building up your craft. For example, I think sometimes I look back of years of just me just kind of taking stuff on and saying, that's amazing, I need to do this now. That's amazing, I need to do this now. And sometimes I always feel like, I mean, okay, they're important for me to know other things, but it almost feels like I could have also spent that time just getting good if I had just made a decision Mm. about what I wanted to do. I could have spent time learning how to better technically execute what that one thing was, was that also an issue for you? Or do you feel like the trajectory of craft and the trajectory of aesthetics sometimes oppose one another?
0: It's a very good point. I mean, I somehow endorse indulging for a while into certain sophistication and elaboration of uh, your own uh, language. I don't think... Uh, you should uh, give up easily. If you really believe in a certain idea, you have to refine it. You have to go to the place where up until you have a sum of it, because otherwise... You're an amateur. (laughs) Otherwise, you're an amateur. Yeah. Well, it's more than that. I think otherwise you just give up too soon. The point is that the reason why we like and we love written music is that there is something uh, within the capacity of combining things that it's part of the miracle of a beautiful piece, a fantastic and amazing and surprising and lively, lively piece. So uh, what we certainly share, most of us, is that we do believe in written music, in, fr- in, in French it's l'écriture, in something that actually is the vehicle that is going to allow you to deliver your idea in its best achieved and refined way so i do believe which goes not in opposition which uh, what i said before on on being like an antenna ready to absorb uh different uh, input but at the same time to have a certain discipline towards your own uh, belief to hold on for a while for as much as you can until you came up with something that you say all right uh, this uh, concept is now achieved and it's now satisfied in the sense that it's consumed. This is an Eastern uh, sutra that I used also in, in the cantata, which is very fascinating, that you have to do things, you have to, let's say, elaborate, develop, refine, in order to consume that, but not consume in the sense of uh, consummation, like a Western consummation, but because then they, they almost burn themselves, they almost transcend through your own action of uh, insisting and refining, elaborating. But that's what we also learn from, from the past. It's one of the most beautiful uh, learning and teaching that you can have from the Renaissance polyphony, from, from, from a Baroque uh, counterpoint and, and so on, from, from any form of accurate and sophisticated and inventive orchestration. this uh, particular uh, sutra it's uh, one of 112 sutra that belongs to uh, shiva tantrism which was a movement in uh, i believe a 12th uh, century india that exposed uh, a series of technique through which let's say by practicing any of them or some of them you could achieve your own true or you can somehow Answer yourself to fundamental question, the system works in this way that uh, there are some fundamental questions that Devi poses to Shiva, like what is this life, what is form beyond form, why we are here, Shiva instead of answering with a with an answer like it's like that, it gives you a technique which are one hundred twelve uh, sutras, and the one that I was mentioning. Uh, The specific one says, here is the sphere of change, meaning the change of change, which I assume is the change of time, the biological change, is a mental change, psychological change, the change in nature. Through the change, consume the change. So the sutra is fundamentally asking you that if you want to really deal with a change, you have a third way, which is not denying, uh, not embracing but transforming it by consuming, meaning that uh, you fundamentally accept change, you become completely aware of, of change in order to consume it, in order to uh, fundamentally transcend it. This is one of the sutras that I used for, uh, for this cantata. This uh, quote of, uh, Eastern, of a specific part of Eastern philosophy has been... Uh, an interest of mine uh, since a few years and I combine it to other uh, texts that somehow from a uh, more closer tradition of ours from Western tradition that I found were somehow delivering or sharing a similar message so I combine uh, those texts of the Vigyanabhai Tantra, the some excerpt of Lucrezio which is a classic poet and um, the Mary Magdalene Gospel, which are not apocryph text, so texts that are not uh, accepted and embraced by the Church, but they are supposed to belong to Mary Magdalene, and uh, all the, those uh, texts, in a sort of uh, hopefully non syncretic way, they share a common vision about existence, and I wanted to somehow pay tribute. To this, uh, let's say, universal way of uh, seeing existence and a broader sense of religion through this uh, cantata.
1: How do you technically execute some of these ideas? I mean, what you just described to me, and after hearing it, there's also, again, for lack of a better word, synthesis there, you know, not only in the music, but mm. also in the ideas. And I'm wondering if there was a technical way that you decided to approach this to reflect that not only in the text, but also in the the way the sounds are put together?
0: I used uh, different layers of, um, let's say, as a source of uh, reference. I think uh, I tried to enact a singing technique that works on this idea of exhaustion, of something that through the exhaustion uh, consumes uh, the change. So there was a, almost like a, a quasi-figurative uh, and behavior within uh, within the music to better deliver not only the meaning but also the context the action that is uh, embodied that is uh, encapsulated into into this um, text <laughs> Oh hi. Oh. Oh,
1: yeah. oh. Oh.
0: Hey,
1: Is it always something that direct when you're going for a metaphor with text?
0: I don't think so. No, it's, it's just, it, it really only belongs to, to that part.
1: But are there other examples of that in the to, in in the thing in the piece? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, there are other parts where I used uh, unravelled and expanded the meaning of it in a texture, in a textual sound, in order to really find the the right platform the, the right uh, environment for those uh, texts uh, to be better delivered
1: why a cantata
0: okay so this was uh, a project that i partially initiated myself i was before uh, writing for this uh, piece i had a chance to be a composer in residence uh, at ictus ensemble of uh, brussels
1: okay yeah yeah i know them
0: so it was a very nice experience. They just wanted me to get closer to them, to understand how they function, how they tour. So we had a, it was like one or two seasons, I guess, where we were meeting. I was just following them. They played some of my music, already written music, but but uh, you
1: literally just toured with them.
0: Yeah. That was the idea. I mean, not all the time. I I could pick, I don't know, something that that they were going to perform and they will fly me in and make me stay with them. And it was a very interesting experience because obviously, you know, I could uh, just, you know, breathe a little bit uh, what what, what really happens, you know, between them, uh, how they communicate, what kind of energy circulates among those musicians and with a conductor, eventually the composers, so it was a lovely and uh, inspiring experience,
1: and it, it was literally like mm. come hang out with the Ictus Ensemble. Fundamentally, yes, yeah, 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 exactly. That's interesting. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know why it came it like this, but they had this uh, smart intuition of wanting to
1: develop a relationship with the composer yeah. by. Seeing them fight about hotel rooms, yeah, something like like this, and
0: to demystify or uh, bring the the relationship of composer, uh, uh, interpreter, or performer. On a different level than the one that is uh, often, uh, despite all uh, kindness and efforts, is always very confrontational. Sometimes sometimes it's like, you know, here is me, the composer, I'm bringing you my music, you're going to play it for me. So and- did,
1: did, did, did that really affect the way you wrote the piece on a micro level? Like literally, like one of the singers really, really hates singing in a certain register or really, really hates doing that with that voice. So you would avoid that technique. And the only way you really knew that was by seeing him complain or the opposite where like you understand what they really, really love doing. So you would say, okay, if I write like this, they're really going to love it and put a lot of effort into it. Like how, how much of their personality actually did you write into the music?
0: What really affected me was not exclusively or mainly about their personality, but mostly about their the relationship they have with the sound. When it's about voice, it's also extremely delicate and and sophisticated um, element. It's uh, what is their emission where they, I mean, voices in especially if we have to open you know this uh, you know Pandora box. It's uh, an infinite. Place I know they tried and they are somehow codified into soprano, mezzo soprano, soprano coloratura, soprano leggero, dramatico, spinto. This being said, every voice is different. It's amazingly different and radically different. So having the chance to know who you're you're writing for, especially in uh, for singing, it's of capital importance. For instance, there are certain uh, notes in a specific texture that you believe they might might work better for for the tenor, but actually not. It works better for the baritone because you know that this baritone has a very nice and soft texture in this uh, particular register. So having access to them, it really gives you, uh, let's say, a sound image that is more concrete besides the content obviously you know you can bridge between the projection that you put in your score and actually the how it's gonna sound
1: yeah that's the best way to work it's no longer hy- hypothetical while you're writing it of course. you know there's not some imaginary tenor that you don't know w- how they sound now yeah. yeah you can actually work with what the material the actual stuff of the sound since you know what it is do you think that holds it back like now it's too specific now only the ICTUS ensemble can sing it.
0: Oh, uh, no, actually, I had the, the pleasant surprise that uh, the, the piece has toured quite a lot and lately has been performed by another ensemble. Uh, Collegium Novum Zurich has been performed at Ultraschall last year and then in Zurich uh, Tonale also and it was great and it was a fabulous uh, experience for me because uh, naturally well no evocac was were uh, the same so the the vocal ensemble was the same but the ensemble instrument ensemble was different and uh, that gave me a completely different um, perspective and pleasure on the piece because obviously when you change musician you know the piece somehow changes i think they must have done some uh, quite experienced lately, I think, in Donaua and by asking three major European ensembles to perform the same uh, repertoire or, or three, four same pieces. And I've been told they sounded completely different. So about my piece, it wasn't completely different because I was around and everything, but I was really uh, enjoying, I mean, the, the life of that piece. It's, it's extremely touching because you say, oh, look at how beautiful because, you know, with Ictus, you might have a more uh, rough Uh, straightforward texturally um, grainy uh, sound and with Collegium of zurich it's somehow uh, more transparent and uh, crystal clean because I don't know because uh, their strings have a different background because uh, because their sound is different you know they come from a different uh, history I mean that's why we do written music how long have you been working on this I think it might have took me between 18 months and a couple of years, I guess. Okay, yeah. But my idea was that, on one hand, I wanted, since several years, to pay a sort of tribute to this text that I mentioned to you about it, the Viyana Tantra. And on the other hand, on an exclusively musical uh, point of view, I needed to bring together several aspects of... Um, of what I've done musically, which were instrumental pieces, solo pieces, and vocal pieces. I wanted to find somehow a consistent uh, work that could deliver in one experience, in one performance, the best I could do and I could share from my previous experience. So in this case, the terms of synthesis can be kind of... Appropriate. I wanted to embrace all of this under one experience uh, only. And then I started working on it. And obviously, because of the nature of the test, because of the intertwining relationship of the text, I needed to have a certain space, a certain margin of maneuvering.
1: It's such a vast expense of ideas that you need lots of different permutations of instruments to be able to execute it. Yeah. Indeed. But I'm, I'm basically maybe just even curious on a technical level. Sure. Like, okay, so what's the total orchestration? Like, sure. Like two ensemble and... Twelve instruments. Yeah. Three of
0: them are soloists. Uh, I call them uh, trio concertante, almost like a uh, quasi-soloist. So we have this group of three low-sized, low-pitched instruments, bucks, petzel contrabass, and bass flute. That's 12 plus three and plus six voices so i wanted to not have a clear distinction between the the vocal ensemble and uh, and the soloist so i tried to work things somehow organically in a way that there are three major players which is the instrumental ensemble the vocal ensemble and the trio concertantes this uh, trio that works as a standalone music entity and as you know in conjunction with uh, with the instrumental ensemble and the vocal ensemble so starting from this music material which was obviously uh, the strong starting point because you know that the instrumentation determines uh, already the direction you're going but obviously since i've chosen it you know i chosen for aesthetical reason i chosen because i knew that i wanted to to explore and elaborate certain aspects of music related to those aspects. And then uh, I simply structured the piece according to the text and the function that I wanted to give it. And uh, formally uh, it ended up uh, being a piece built in uh, four sections. Uh, internal subsection, but I try to work the form in a very uh, transparent and and Christian clean way Form for me is extremely important it 's the way to deliver any kind of message in its best way without a perfect form there is no perfect piece and since you asked me about how did you came up, uh, how did you build the piece, I probably should say that my way of conceiving form it's uh, it's a it's a dynamic way, which means that I have uh, often an overview, uh, let's say a generic perception of form, but then what ha- what happened ultimately? It's a dynamic process, means that the the ultimate form. It always crystallize or define or finalize by the content in se- itself. So, is the content is the is the object, the internal object that, that define the forms? Is that the, the are the internal objects that have the last say how the form has to behave? So, the formal idea, the overall structure exists, but actually, when it comes down into to proportions, to final proportion. It's about the consumption. To just requote one of this uh, earlier uh, concept, is the consumption of those objects that finalize, uh, levigate the alchemy of of the form.
1: You're not just simply taking material and stuffing it into no, what, you know, whatever form over however many minutes the thing has to be. It's how long can this go on mm. for? How, when does it have to stop? It's it's closer
0: to. Or a, a common uh, visual representation to having a a block of marble, and to define, uh, let's say, the, the the shape of it because of the content.
1: Well, I think that's a good place to leave it. Maybe it's not, but I'll like switch it around. <laughs> that's weird. No, absolutely, ending on marble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ending, yeah, ending on marble. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. So uh, thank you for doing this. Thank you very much.
0: My pleasure.